0: Welcome back to another episode of Filmcraft. Yeah. And we are still in quarantine.
1: Quarantine.
0: I actually haven't been like more than 10 meters from my house. It's it's awful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're not digging it? How about you? I got to this place after my flight landed in Toronto, got to the apartment, and I literally haven't left since.
0: So you've just been inside, like not not even breathing fresh air?
1: No, I went out on the balcony once because I burnt a bunch of popcorn, but that was it.
0: (laughs) So you're escaping bad air.
1: Pretty much, yeah. uh. (laughs) What about you? How's your small perimeter of your house going?
0: I mean, like I'll go in my backyard and that's about as far as I get because I don't want to like be around people, but... There's this, I don't know. There might be this weird thing where it's like you get stuck on a, a certain level of thinking. And mm-hmm. in general, like people don't do that extra step to think about, like, what would other people think? So naturally, like a bunch of people in the city are like, oh, you know what? It's good if we go like somewhere with a big open space where we're not around people. That way we won't have a chance of being infected and we'll keep our social distancing. And then. 600 people think the same thing and then they all go to like a park (laughs) or they all go hiking or to a beach together because they all think no one's going to be here but they didn't do that extra level of thinking where 600 people had the same thought and now they're all together at the same place whereas if you thought one step further you'd think wait a second i bet everyone's thinking that so i should probably not go out (laughs)
1: Yeah, and like I love how along the lines of that thinking, it's like, where could I go where there would be no one else? You know, where you can go where there'd be no one else in your fucking house where you should be. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, (laughs) How's your, uh, how are your brothers
0: doing with it? I mean, we all have our own space, so we're not like around each other constantly. I think it's just Mm. when it's time to cook, like we're all in the kitchen and we're all cooking stuff together and it, it's definitely not the worst but i think like just finding time to do your own thing is as well it helps a lot because well you'll drive each other crazy i'm sure oh totally yeah even well this morning it's a funny story like i uh i was telling you about my coffee <laughs> so, yeah yeah uh,
1: what's the coffee story
0: well uh I guess this is like a very privileged problem because every morning I usually go to the coffee shop next door, get a cup of coffee and go for a walk. That's how I like to start every day. It just gets me in the right place and gets my mind working. Um, so I can't go out for coffee anymore. So I have instant coffee in my house that I haven't used in forever. Um, so I make the instant coffee, I put it into the cup and then I take the kettle and pour it into the cup and it I forgot to hit the kettle, so I just pour cold water into this cup of coffee. <laughs> so nothing dissolves. It's just this cup of like instant batter, and it's like floating and like almost like when pancake batter isn't quite done properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to like stir it, and it doesn't work. So I heat the kettle up again and put like as much hot water as I can into this giant cup, and then try to put some milk in it. And then I drink it. It's literally... I think I've made the worst cup of coffee ever made in history.
1: <laughs> and uh, I,
0: I have to drink it through this episode. So that's uh, kind of my punishment.
1: Well, I think at the end of the episode, we'll have to have a little wrap-up of how your coffee was.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you'll you'll probably hear it coming out at the end of the episode.
1: So if we hear projectile vomiting, it's not the virus. It's just a really bad <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs>
0: It's a, it's also this weird logic of yeah h- how can you expect me to make a good cup of coffee when I haven't had my coffee in the morning? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hear people talking about like this cup of coffee sucks, this coffee sucks. And like my wife is a huge coffee drinker. As someone that's yeah. never had a coffee in his entire life, I can still oddly sympathize with it just because like... I can visualize it almost, and the idea of drinking this cold cup of water with chunks of dirt sitting in the top <laughs> sounds just awful. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's pretty much the visual. Like that's exactly what it looked like. But
1: yeah. all right, well, what are we talking about this week? Latif?
0: We've had discussions of film festivals and how all that works in the normal world but right now as of the quarantine and the coronavirus outbreak the whole film festival landscape has changed quite dramatically and because i'm in the middle of my film festival uh, progress was crazy for you things have changed for me as well and i think anyone out there who has a short film who's about to submit to film festivals should probably listen to this episode before they you know, just throw out like a thousand dollars to like thirty film festivals.
1: Yeah, I think anyone that has, yeah, anyone that has any type of movie, like it, the amount. Ima- South by Southwest got canceled. If that fucking festival can get canceled,
0: I mean, the actual event got canceled, but they still gave awards and stuff to the films that submitted. Oh, did they really? Yeah. So the the oh wow festival continued digitally, and there were prizes given out and. Uh, all the films still competed technically, but it just wasn't in one place physically.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah, that's, it's kind of cool that they did that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to check that out afterwards, because I thought the entire thing was just kind of kiboshed. And I know no. a lot of uh, the vendors and whatnot were having a really hard time because, you know, say they put a whole bunch of money into merch or signage or whatever the hell it may be, you know, just hotel rooms, crazy stuff like that, you know. You lose a lot of cash. And I had thought that mm-hmm. uh the actual films would be the same way, just like we're cancelled. That's kinda it. We'll see what happens next year. But it's good that they actually went ahead and did awards and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and all the all the films that were accepted, um, they still kind of participated in like a digital version of the festival and they were prizes given out to the winning films and stuff and
1: i can't imagine it would have been digital in the sense that like you and i could make an account as a as a viewer not even as a filmmaker just as an audience member and watch these movies online because i know like pretty sure a quiet place too was set to play there and there's no way that sony or whoever owns that would be like yeah throw it up online no one will pirate that this is a great idea (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: i think that that it I don't know if the films are available to view because even if the film festival went out as planned, they wouldn't just be available afterwards anyways. Uh, mm-hmm. There's still a process that they have to go through. So I think the there might be trailers or they might give like snippets or just interviews with the filmmakers, but I, I highly doubt that the films are just out there now that the festival is concluded. But, you know, South By I was right in the middle of this whole outbreak like it just kind of the timing was just the worst but yep. there are film festivals that are coming out um you know within months to weeks that have now canceled uh, one of them is Tribeca in New York the right. festival sent out a giant email and I got one of the emails that said we're you know sorry to tell you that we're not having Tribeca this year pretty much and that's a huge film festival and it's a good thing that they canceled because they're taking the best safety precautions. But, you know, imagine like a bunch of people just showing up in New York. Um, for yeah, that festival, wouldn't be you know, ideal.
1: Wouldn't... Exactly. So I was just going to ask, like, when you get these emails, because I know you're you're in the thick of this. When you started submitting Crazy yeah. for You, I think your first dates to hear back from festivals were at, like at the end of January. So you fell literally right in the middle of this. And when you get these emails, what do they say? Well, one that I got recently
0: that was, like, kind of heartbreaking was from Seattle because I submitted to Seattle. And if you know what's going on, Seattle has, well, Washington in general has been hit pretty hard with the virus. So they're taking extreme precautions and they're making sure there are no gatherings. And Seattle is supposed to happen... Um, in about like a month and they had to shut down um, even though we don't really know what's going to happen in a month from now but the reality is like to set up a film festival requires so much work so they'd, ha- they'd have to be recruiting people and um, talking to sponsors and getting venues and stuff together and with the way things are it's just impossible to do something like that so, unfortunately, Seattle sent out an email to everyone. Um, well, I've, I I get an email from them saying, we're not going through at the film festival this year. We're going to... And they're not postponing it. Like, they're just not going to do it this year because there just isn't enough time. Because yeah. they, they don't know what's going to happen in the foreseeable future. Um, and it was heartbreaking for me personally because um, at the time when they canceled the festival, they said you know we were still considering your film for the festival we can't really give you any good news or let you know what's going on because it's kind of over but um you can resubmit next year and we won't charge you a fee for submission but this year's um fee for submission will act as like a donation towards seattle because of what's going on and i'm cool with that i have no issues but it's still. So they're
1: donating like, uh, it to like a charity. They're not just taking your money and being like, you don't get anything, bitch. We're out.
0: I don't know what they're. I think the donation just goes towards the actual festival foundation just to, you know, pay any workers that were working or whatever. Like, I don't really know, okay. but I don't. <laughs> I'm not imagining. They're like, haha, lunch on him. <laughs> 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 but, uh,. Yeah, that was a little, you know, heartbreaking. But there, are, there are other festivals that are going to be happening in and around summer and later in the year. That also messaged and said, you know, with what's going on, we're not going to have any early meetups or like filmmaker meet and greets, which were in the yeah. works. But what we're going to do is play it by ear, hope that things are okay, and, and continue looking at films and doing submission and notification processes uh, as planned, but we're going to hope for the best and keep things going. So, you know, some summer film festivals have not canceled yet, but we don't really know how things are going to play out. So I have my fingers crossed that one, there's a festival that I'm hoping to go to in Los Angeles. And if they don't cancel, then I can still go to the festival. But as of now, I'm not sure. (laughs) So I think for someone out there who's got a film, and they haven't submitted to film festivals yet, now would be a good time to th- to look at dates and think about how likely is this going to be a good investment versus this is probably not going to be good for me. And yep. how you should think about um, maybe getting your film out there in a time like this where it's not easy to go to big, large social gatherings.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's a Well, I mean... I. I think it's fair to say it's definitely a unique time, right? There aren't, I can't think of any other time where you would finish a movie and be like, okay, it's done. What do we do with it? We Mm -hmm. wait. (laughs) Like, it it would take very specific circumstances for that. And it's, I feel really bad for any filmmaker that's going through it because I think there's going to be, or I could see a world where there would be next year, these film festivals, they fire back up again. And when they get submissions that are from this year and from last year, like the ones that couldn't apply to this now canceled year, I could mm-hmm. see the film festivals asking, asking themselves, okay, did this, is this film applying because they applied to a bunch of stuff and it didn't get in, or did they just not get a chance to go through? any of this submission process anywhere because of this virus, right? So I think Mm -hmm. it'd be a really interesting, call it reapplication window next year. Um, Mm -hmm. Based off of the different emails you've gotten, other than the one from Seattle that you mentioned, what's the vibe you get off of people?
0: Well, for some, you know, like for San Francisco, I think they just sent out like a giant no to everyone saying we're canceling the festival. So Mm -hmm. for that, I I don't think it mattered whether you got in or didn't like that one was just kind of over, um, with Seattle, they said, we're going to, because we're considering your film, we're going to keep it in our, you know, database and we'll consider it for future screenings or for the festival next year, which is nice. But for other film festivals, they just kind of, um, said, we're closing down the show. We can't, we can't go through with it, you know, for, really small film festivals if there isn't like a bunch of money put into it it's i don't think it would be that hard to just kind of like ah, eh, let's just hold off but yeah you know giant giant film festivals that spend hundred thousand to a million dollars for venue rentals and hiring crew and and getting like volunteers and and everything together to to make the festival happen they probably have a really hard time with like su- such a sudden breakdown and, you know, societal norms where they require people to show up for their events to actually function and for them to make money. Um, mm-hmm. they I think have a harder time like trying to figure out what to do next. But, you know, I'm I'm sure there are small film festivals that have a difficult time with this kind of stuff as well. I don't know the insides of how film film festivals are put together uh, financially, but I think the general consensus and the feeling that I'm getting from everyone is that we don't know what's going on. So to be safe, we're just going to not do anything right now. And I think that is probably the best thing to do in terms of like general safety. But for filmmakers, we might have a project and we're going to be sitting there like, oh God, (laughs) is time going to (laughs) like... work against me here like am I going to be screwed in a year is my film not going to be relevant
1: yeah definitely and I think one of the worst parts is is it's not like if this is coming from a filmmaker perspective it's not like every film festival happens in March let's say right like these things Mm -hmm. go on through the entire year whereas if they all happened in March and you got an email in February saying everything's cancelled this year reapply next year you could say okay do I want to sit on this for a year or do I want to find a way to like put it online now or try and get it out by myself now and not go the yep. film festival route? But the situation that you're in right now is some of these are canceled. There's mm-hmm. Take that one in June, for instance. So you just yep. wait on that. And then I'm sure there's a couple after there where you're like, oh, well, if the one in June's canceled, this thing has to be getting towards the end of it. So maybe you'll mm-hmm. choose to wait for the next one. And it's just a never-ending, like, what's going to happen I mean, that's kind of what the world is right now anyways, but in terms of a film, it would actually be kind of nice if it was like the Oscars. It happened in February, and then you could make Mm -hmm. your call after that. So with that, are these thoughts going through your head? Like, are you thinking, if this one in June gets canceled, maybe I'll just say, fuck it, and throw it up online in some way. Like, is this changing the way you're thinking of distribution?
0: A a little bit. Like, I... What I know is for a lot of film festivals, like they want a world premiere, um, at least the ones that I'm going for, they they either want a world premiere or they want no online um, version of the film available publicly. So I've made a commitment to like, okay, I'll premiere at one of these festivals and then after the festival run, I will put it up online. But in the in the case, you know, say we get to around summer and things have just gotten way worse and there's no like foreseeable future of like a film festival happening then i would kind of opt film festivals out and say let's just go for an online distribution let's just put it out there have that be the premiere of the film as opposed to doing it at a film festival which is a very viable option nowadays i think a lot of people do that already mm-hmm. um i personally just like to wanted to do the festival route because i wanted to get the film playing in theaters with people watching them in the seats and then going to the festivals and meeting people and talking to other filmmakers and people who saw my film but uh, if that can't happen then I would definitely consider putting it online there are different avenues to do that
1: that is actually a pretty good segue into our next topic but I think we could stay on film festivals for a little while longer Uh, with the uncertainty of everything going on has it changed like I know you've Applied to call it your top tier A tier festivals now, did you have Mm kind of B tier festivals in mind? Should the A tier not come into play, and with this, is you're thinking more? If I don't get into these A tier, I'm just going straight to online, or are the B tier still relevant in your mind?
0: Uh, well, like I know, because naturally the way we think about film festivals is, you know, there are these big festivals that would be the dream to go to. But there are these kind of mid-level festivals that I personally really want to go to. Um, I'm almost even more excited about these kind of middle-level festivals than I am about the big ones. Just because I know in those festivals, I will have a little more elbow room. I won't be kind of squeezed in <laughs> to like, you're a short filmmaker. Um, yeah. So in these middle festivals, I'll have a little more elbow room. I'll have a little more voice. And also, I'll be able to feel more confident going into those festivals with my film as opposed to if I went to the giant festivals. So I'm actually... I've got my eye heavily on these middle-tier festivals, and those are the ones that I really want to go to, and those are the ones that that I'm hoping don't get cancelled. I'm actually holding out for those ones so if i don't get to any of those ones and i only make it to regional festivals then i think i'll do a simultaneous release online because i don't think that smaller festivals really require me to have like a world premiere in my festival submission list most of the festivals i i submitted to are those kind of middle tier festivals because i knew those were the ones that i wanted to go to i think i only submitted to like three or four big festivals, uh, Seattle being one of them. And I'm kind of holding out to see how the middle tier festival thing goes because a lot of those festivals are happening in and around the summer and then in in and around fall and then a few in uh, winter. So I'm not... I'm, I'm still feeling confident and hopeful, but... I have to kind of pay close attention to what's
1: going on outside of the film
0: world as well to kind of assess how things go.
1: Or I have a feeling I know what I would do in this situation, but I'm curious because you're really in it. Say you had only applied to those four or five A-tier festivals. Mm -hmm. And these emails started rolling in that said, you know, festivals not happening this year, apply next year, some variant of those would you still go ahead and apply to these B-tier festivals knowing that some of them are shutting down? Or would you be like, I, this kind of feels like I might be just wasting my money for this year?
0: The strongest predictor of what to do would be the actual dates of the festivals for me at that point. The further along in the year it is, the more likely I would apply. The closer the festival is to our present time the less likely I would send it to them, so uh, I think it's really just a matter of time, and uh, that's how I would play it in, the, in that scenario.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I I know someone that runs a mm-hmm. runs something that is a pretty big gathering um, right. every year, and it's happening later in the year, and I haven't talked to them about it, but. I'm like, man, is this still going through? I'm really curious about like logistical questions. Actually, I'm friends with one of the uh, film festival directors that we went to with what we don't say. Maybe I'll try right. and get her on, on the podcast again, do a little follow-up, see how this is impacting.
0: Yeah, that might be good.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty much all the thoughts that I would have on this aspect of film festivals. Do you have any other closing thoughts before we move into subject B? Even though it's definitely not
0: uh, ideal it's not ideal for the festivals it's it's not ideal for the filmmakers and it's not ideal for the people who like to go to these festivals just to watch films Uh, it's tough but I think we have to continue making films and continue to share that with other people and that might be a good way for us to kind of keep connected at this time and I think um, going online is a great way to do that, which is actually our next topic.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And just on that note, like where Latif said, keep making movies, if this is, if you're in a circumstance like this or just affected in by this virus in a way where you're considering, like, maybe I don't want to do movies, really think about that because this thing will pass, and if you have a pretty deep passion for this you know like latif and i and thousands of other people this isn't something to don't let it destroy you you know if anything this is kind of in some ways a blessing in disguise like latif and i mentioned this is tons of time to write to plan your next thing you can Mm -hmm. sure you can't do it socially you can't go to meetings but this will have benefits especially if you're you know an isolated filmmaker like we tend to be for the majority of this process (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, subject numero dos for today is... Actually, you you pitched this, Latif. You know what's up. Well, we're
0: really talking about the use of Vimeo and how it's kind of a really useful tool when you're going through film festival submissions. But even if you're just posting like a short online or you're putting, you know, your demo reel or any sort of online content that's meant to be for the general public, how Vimeo is a really useful tool in tracking um, analytics and keeping a track of who's watching your video and how they're engaging with it. Um, And in general, just like why I like to use Vimeo.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think this is really interesting because... Uh, Well, I'll give my very brief Vimeo story because it's I have significantly less to say about it than Lateef. Uh My only experience with Vimeo was basically when we had finished What We Don't Say, it was time to put it online in the form of a screener or whatnot. And I think mm. it's kind of common knowledge to most people that if you're a filmmaker, a lot of filmmakers will use Vimeo. So I'm like, all right, well, that seems like the go-to. And even if you apply to film festivals a lot, will say provide Vimeo link or other... You know, so one on to Vimeo and being the insanely micro budget movie we are, I saw that it cost money to upload the video Vimeo and I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's not going to happen. And I closed the tab and I haven't opened it since. <laughs> so I, what I ended up doing was putting just a private link on YouTube. So you can't search it. You can't find it unless I send it to you. And it's interesting when Latif brought up the idea of how much Vimeo does for him, I Honestly, I hadn't thought of any of that. I just saw a price tag. I knew that we had no money, and that kind of made the decision for me. So what kind of benefits do you think you get from Vimeo, Latif? And also, just for people listening, we are not sponsored in any way. This is just honest us talking.
0: Yeah, so with, I don't know, with Vimeo, I find in general... Not just like the, you know, what features you're getting when you pay for a Vimeo membership. I just like the platform better. I find it more aesthetically uh, appealing, especially for a filmmaker or a cinematographer or a director. It's a really nice way to curate your uh, visuals in a place that feels uh, meant for it. Because, like, the people who usually use Vimeo are other artists, so directors, Designers, filmmakers, uh, animators, cinematographers—mostly the people on Vimeo are are also creators. It's very different than YouTube. And YouTube, YouTube has like just a huge population of people with an enormous amount of wide-ranging interests. In general, it feels very um, all over the place in terms of the community. Like people, you know, like people get incredibly angry and. There are a lot of trolls in the comments and it's not like the most conducive place for an artist especially when you're putting personal work out there whereas you know the vimeo community is incredibly supportive people are always like looking out for cool work and just saying randomly like i've gotten this on my videos where random people just like hey this is so cool i like you know the film you've made and I like the aesthetics here, like, this is such a good film, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's all really nice, but people are really honest when they say that, and it's usually coming from other artists. So just the Vimeo community in general feels like a really nice place to to live with your work.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's something that even if you just log on to the Vimeo homepage and then log on to the YouTube homepage, mm-hmm. to me it's pretty apparent that Vimeo seems like the more high-end platform. And, you know, mm-hmm. hence the price tag, I would assume. The, yeah. I think, like you mentioned, one of the things to consider too is it is largely for creatives. So if it's something where you have like a trailer for your movie, I wouldn't necessarily recommend only uploading it to Vimeo. Like if you want to do YouTube and Vimeo, right on. But when you have something like a trailer or something, some kind of promotional video. I don't know if Mm -hmm. Vimeo would be the exclusive route that you should go. Yeah. Um Having said that, I mean it couldn't hurt to do other platforms and Vimeo, right? Like the Chief mentioned, it's a very creator driven network, so people would pick up on it and would watch it, I would assume. Um what other benefits to Vimeo have you found? Like I know when you were pitching this to me earlier you had said that you could almost somewhat track like when festivals are watching uh, your movie and kind of get analytics off of that.
0: Yeah, like for specifically the use of like Vimeo in in my film festival submission process, uh, most festivals will take Vimeo links and they prefer it because it's Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty
1: sure that that's their top choice.
0: Yeah, for, for just like the first screener. Most festivals prefer a Vimeo link. Um, and you can do a password-protected password link, which is really nice. And yep. I don't think YouTube has password-protected links. I think they have, like, unlisted no, they links. Don't. Yeah, it's so only unlisted private. Yeah, so Vimeo's got that extra security where if you want to send your film to a film festival and they're the only people you want seeing the film, send them the film, it goes with a password. And then that's how they watch it. And then you're kind of protected there and that that link can't just be thrown around and then like 60 people see it and yeah. they just have to click it for it to work
1: i'm pretty sure another benefit of vimeo as well is youtube it condenses and caps what you can post on there in terms of file size and whatnot so if you have like a sci-fi movie where you shot it in 700k you can put that entire file up on vimeo correct me if i'm wrong right yeah
0: it but it depends on the account type you have because Vimeo isn't just going to let you upload like a 60 gigabyte movie mm-hmm. um, with like just amazing <laughs> compression on it. You have to have different uh, account tiers to have different uh, size for upload. So like I have a Vimeo Plus, which is like the the very l- lowest tier um, plan that I pay for. So it's $7 a month, but in, I think in a year I pay like $96. It's not that expensive. Mm. Uh, so with Vimeo Plus, you get up to five gigabytes of uh, weekly uploads. So I can upload up to five gigabytes of uh, video every week. And then it goes back to zero at the start of the next week. Yeah. Um, there are no advertisements on my videos. And, I can customize my player so I can kind of change. And these are like kind of like almost menial things, but like I really like being able to customize my player colors to match like the titles of my films, which is actually kind of cool. It really looks like my film is designed to be on Vimeo. Um, You get analytics. Uh, You also are able to kind of add your videos to like albums and stuff. So you can create like these are all my uh demo reels in one album these are all my uh, music videos in another album so you can kind of group your videos by their type and stuff together and you also get like uh support from vimeo staff and stuff if you need stuff like that i've I've never had to use vimeo support but in general it's, it's just like nice little things to have like that but you know, Vimeo Pro and Vimeo Business accounts, which are more expensive, have a, a lot more to them. But I'm talking about just like the very basic paid account.
1: Yeah, totally fair. So within the thing that jumps out to me as like, who I want to know more about that is the analytics. And you mentioned how you can kind of see when people will watch your videos when they'll tune out where they are in the world. I believe that YouTube has those same things, but I think Vimeo goes more in depth with them. So have you felt an actual benefit from it in terms of like the film festival submissions?
0: Yeah, because YouTube does have some pretty good analytic tools. Yeah, and I'm going to
1: log in now and actually see what they are.
0: And I, I think like you don't need a paid account for YouTube to look at your analytics. No, you don't. Actually, you, you know what? I don't know that because I I have a YouTube account as well. I have YouTube <laughs> Premium, so I don't know if that makes a difference. But um, YouTube does offer stats and stuff, and, and they're and they're really good stats. But I I just I like the way Vimeo charts them because it shows you like an actual visual graph like a line graph but then it gives you all the stats in like a almost like an excel like table and then you can add and remove certain things and and arrange them by like most to to least or time and date and stuff like that and also filter analytics by video so if you just want to look at one video's analytics um and i know youtube can do stuff like that too but i i just to me it's very easy to look at it on uh vimeo the, the actual layout is really simple but i know with you because i don't use youtube so much for tracking stuff anyways but when i am on youtube and i am in the analytics bar there's so much shit happening mm-hmm. that i'm like what do i cl- what do i click <laughs> and i'm not one who gets confused by technology like that very often but i have to say when i when i'm in the youtube's video management mm-hmm. stats area it's this is a lot of shit there. there is i'm looking at it right now it's crazy yeah so even for me it's like what is going on here there's just so much shit to press and and vimeo is just like a little easier to look at
1: yeah yeah that's So I, i find
0: that kind of useful
1: okay fun fact the trailer for what we don't say has been watched for 46 hours
0: who is doing that to themselves? I know right.
1: You're watching a one minute trailer for 46 hours.
0: <laughs> that's probably it's yeah. probably in general. Um, what was I, what was the uh, oh yeah, the other thing that I think is really, really nice about Vimeo that I I find to be just amazing and perfect is when you and you can't do this on YouTube and I, I wish you could do this on YouTube, but they haven't made this a feature. On Vimeo, you can replace a video. Hmm. So if you uploaded something a year ago, and you're like, oh, man, I I misspelled the title, or I misspelled the name in the credits, you can replace the video without losing the
1: stats. Yeah, that's one thing. YouTube makes you delete it, eh?
0: Yeah, they make you delete it. You lose all your stats, and you have to basically upload a fresh video. And... To me that's like a huge bummer because you know say you made like a great video that's got like a million views and you wanted to add like an end card to it you'd have to delete the video and re upload it again and cross your fingers and hope that it hits as big uh for vimeo you can just replace the video and I'm, I'm not saying this is great for like keeping your numbers but you know for film festivals it's really helpful because say you did like a rough cut for submission and then later on you had the color correction finish and you're like, okay, I'm going to replace that one with the color correction video and I'll send an email to them saying, look, I finished the color correction. You can just replace the video without having to like resend a link or change the URL or anything like that. It's it's like literally as simple as like re-uploading it. Um, and I think that's like an invaluable tool for filmmakers or anyone that works just with online video in general.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think in terms of just overall convenience, it seems like Vimeo is pretty much the way to go. Yeah, and and the way
0: the the page, like, you know, my main page is set up, it's so clean and easy to look at. And I prefer this layout as opposed to the one on YouTube. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't want to make this like a Vimeo versus YouTube thing, but, um, you know, when you click on my profile for Vimeo, there's like a little banner with like a video playing above my picture. That just has, like, my a snippet from my demo reel. It looks really nice. Then it gives you, like, my bio and a little information about me. Then it just goes down to, like, squares that are just, like, thumbnails of my videos. And they all look really nice. And they're really simple. And that's my profile. It gives you, like, all the information you need in a, pre- a presentable manner. And I I think the one thing about vimeo that isn't perfect is their mobile app isn't the best and i think youtube is just light years ahead in terms of having like a really usable app because vimeo on the web is great i think it works fine um the only my only issue with it is in some of their settings or analytics windows like everything is huge (laughs) so it's just kind of hard to look at things sometimes Mm -hmm. but uh YouTube has everything kind of scaled properly in the app and also in their web player. Even if it is like just over information.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's pretty fair. So overall I think the general consensus again, I've never used it, but it's if you have the money and if you think it'll be beneficial enough to you, then Vimeo's pretty solid option. If not, YouTube is a very, very okay and okay, in the sense of it will work. Not okay, like it's okay. Very yeah. okay option. It'll do pretty much anything you need for free.
0: Yeah, it's a spoiled option to have. <laughs> it's a great website, and they do a great service for practically nothing, and you can uh, utilize it really well if you know how to. But uh, you know, for filmmakers, Vimeo has also Vimeo staff picks. They look out for cool good high quality content and they'll make sure it gets out there. So that's also another great thing about Vimeo.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. Oh, and no no ads.
1: <laughs> well, here's another thing too and I think it's a um a good it's a good example of why it's geared to creatives instead of non-creatives because ads are actually a great thing for a YouTube personality. It's how they make tons of cash like you get enough followers that's where your revenue comes from and i would assume if you get i don't know a million followers whatever it is on vimeo then you're still not making any cash
0: yeah i mean it i guess it depends though because vimeo does have like a how do you say it like a a model where you can pay to watch stuff so you can put your like a movie on vimeo or you can put like I don't know, something that you want to sell and then you can actually make money from that because people will have to buy it to to watch it. Kind of like almost like an iTunes or something. Mm -hmm. Because you can um, put content content up on Vimeo that you can get people to pay to watch. And people do pay to watch stuff on Vimeo. So there is a way to make money, but it's in a less intrusive way. It's very like direct to consumer. Whereas YouTube, the ads and everything, we don't ask for them, but we get them. (laughs) But they help the, the creator make some money.
1: Yeah, totally. Alright. Yeah. Well, last question, Latif. How is the coffee?
0: It's gotten okay. I I don't think the coffee has gotten better. I think my tongue has gotten worse. And <laughs> your standards so I'm have tolerating dropped. It, better. <laughs> it it's melting my taste buds away, so I'm not like having as adverse reaction to it.
1: Now are are you sure you're <laughs> drinking coffee and not bleach? Oh my god. <laughs> I've been drinking <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I've been drinking A cast hand sanitizer. Uh. <laughs> man i read an article today um i think it was through cbc mm-hmm. where it was all about the, the editor saying please don't make hand sanitizers at home because they're really hard to do and people are actually ending up in the hospital because of it they're drinking they're
0: like, hand sanitizer
1: no no i think they're making it and oh, it's giving them it. chemical burn Oh. And they have to go to the fucking hospital, which are overwhelmed with virus patients right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's really stupid because making hand sanitizer at home isn't as simple as you put this and this. Like, it's chemistry. You have to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You have to know the right proportions of everything and yeah, mix and them properly. <laughs> and if you don't do it.
1: It's not like cooking, right? Yeah, You can't
0: use, like, cooking tools to make it. <laughs> exactly. You can't use like a measuring cup to like I'm gonna make some hand sanitizer like it's a
1: cake. <laughs> and the thing is too, when you're cooking, like if you add a bit too much salt, it's like ah, oh, it's kind of salty, but you can still eat it. If you add too much, what like Freon or whatever goes in a hand sanitizer, that that's gonna mess you up. If you,
0: if too much eth, <laughs> too much yeah, ethanol. It'd be like that uh,
1: the scene from Fight Club where it's like, what is this? This is chemical bird.
0: <laughs> Actually, that'd be a great meme. Actually, we, it should, would, eh? we should do that on um, on Instagram and just put, like, big dumb text on top of Brad Pitt doing that to Norton and just say, when you try to make your own hand sanitizer.
1: I love it. This Let's do it. I'm serious. Bird.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How much sulfur, babe? How much sulfur? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I can't find it. Well, I just put the whole thing in. I'm sure it'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, jeez. Uh, all right. Well, until next week, this has been Filmcraft. I'm Matt Ralston. This is the T. And it's brought to you by Podcast Daddy. A cast. Yeah. Thank you, Supreme Leader, for having us once more. Yeah. 96. We're far so away. Even if we don't do anything crazy for the 100th one, if we're still in isolation, I'm going to be naked for it. Just so it's special to me.
0: I'm going to be sitting in a vat of my coffee.
1: What about a vat of handmade hand sanitizer? <laughs> this has gone too far. We should end this episode.
0: <laughs> Halfway through the episode, you'll be like, Latif?
1: Do you remember that scene from uh, Breaking Bad where they're dissolving the bodies? Oh, yeah. And Walter tells Jesse, like, put them in the barrels, but he puts it in the bathtub and it just eats through the floor and crashes down. <laughs> That's what would happen. <laughs>
0: You're on the on the first floor of my house, there's just gonna be a podcast mic and a head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bye.